This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. I should actually give a a bit of a shout-out to Larissa Gallagher, who does the opener for us. We never give her a plug, but I just did. Thanks to Rode Microphones and VoiceOver Essentials, the home of the Booth Pro, we're back with another Quick Bite, and this week uh, we're talking about um, studio monitor controllers. Uh, I've just had a couple arrive to review, we'll have a look at anyway. One I've liked so much I've ended up buying it, uh, and the other one will be going back. Uh, the monitor controllers I've got here are the SPL2 Control, the Presonus Monitor Station version 2, and of course my old, very old, Big Knob. I'm familiar. You are familiar? I'm familiar with two of the three. The one that is new to me, or at least that I haven't looked at for much longer than a moment, is the SPL2 Control, yeah. which if you're trying to find this thing, it's such a weird spelling. It's the numeral 2 Control, all one word. So SPL two control monitor controller. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I can see why you chose to stick with that one. I'm sure it's got to be super high quality sounding compared to the other two. It is, as I mentioned before we got on. Um, it is so such good quality that I've just realised I have an earthing problem. So that's going to be my weekend sort so of. So revealed to um, a little bit of a ground hum, or yeah, what are you hearing? I can actually hear the computer talking. So I'm oh stumped. yeah yeah yeah. But um, yeah. it could be something as simple as a USB connection. But yeah. anyway, that's my weekend sorted. Well, it, there actually are devices that are USB filters. Have you ever ah. used anything like that, Robert? A USB filter for power? Yeah, just a little dongle that goes in line with your USB connection to filter the signal between the computer and the device. Okay. You might try that. Take yeah, a look I'll give that a whirl. See if you can find sure. anything like that. Yeah, because I'm just hearing chatter, and you know, sometimes you can hear yeah. when you're moving the mouse, you can hear that as well. You know, yeah, that high frequency. Uh, that's the one. Staticky stuff that's coming right back from the computer back down the line into. And you can also hear that constant, like that rhythm, dum dum dum. Yep. Dum, in the background. Yeah, the yeah. clock or clock, whatever that is. There's like a clock that's running and. Yep. In the system, you can hear it. So yeah, I mean, these things all have very different feature sets. So like the. The SPL on the one end is very simple in configuration and function, yep. but much more expensive. And on the other end, the others are way more feature rich and a lot less expensive. So, and then there's what are you the giving heritage. up? And yeah, well, the thing is, like, what are you giving up when you buy the SPL? That well, it was interesting because I realized what I didn't actually need, and uh, which was pretty well all of it. The only thing I use the monitor controller for is headphones. Uh, monitor speakers, and an in-out for the phone I, I would patch. say this. The, the SPL lacks any routing, basically. So it's it's not really a monitor controller as much as it's a volume knob with a speaker switch on it. It's kind of a monitor controller, but it's not a studio control room solution. It doesn't replace like this, the console's control room section, per se, as right. much as the other ones do. It's Correct. more, yeah, it's a very hi-fi... Volume, volume pot with, with speakers a like hi-fi it. headphone amplifier. Oh, right. Yeah. Forgot the, the headphone amp, too. Have you played around with the headphone amp? Yeah, yeah, I'm using the headphone amp. I use the two sources, one for when I need headphones when I'm in the, in the other room, editing and things, and I use the other one to feed into the booth here. So, yeah, it's it's to have a pretty uh, ballsy headphone amp, lots of, lots of output. It, the first time I put the cans on, I nearly blew my head off. So, uh, yeah, it is, <laughs> yeah. So it'll drive it'll drive six hundred ohm headphones 
I think you're right. But it also has a really interesting, um, which you've mentioned before in another show, the crossfeed, which is wouldn't mm-hmm. affect me, of course, but it's kind of handy if you're mixing music or listening to music. Yeah, have, explain. I mean, I know conceptually what that does, but Robert, explain what a crossfeed knob does and why would you care? Um, it just makes it a little bit more like you're listening to speakers and effectively what it does is sends a little bit of the left to the right and a little bit of the right to the left. Unless you're in the headphones and that's what they're trying to you know, avoid um, having you have that fatigue or that extreme left-right sound when you're mixing. So you mix something with more of the stereo field that you'd expect from, you know, played out of speakers. The the best systems that do that also delay delay it in each channel by like a millisecond or two because that's also what happens with your ears. Like the right speaker takes longer to get to your left ear than the left speaker takes to get to your left ear kind of thing. Yeah. So. So that's relevant for people that have to mix, but in and, and a home. So like if you're a producer now stuck at home, family's yeah. in the room and you're trying to get, try to get a decent, accurate mix of your stereo mix field, then this could be a good tool to use, I well, guess. Are, are you familiar with Waves NX? I've heard of it, to, but I've never to, had to, to use it. Take a detour, but so essentially it's your monitor controller, but instead they use... I guess um, maybe like an impulse of a room. So they're selling like, you know, mix in Abbey Abbey Road's room and they just put your mix through an impulse of that, like it's a reverb. And then it's kind of um, VR in your head. So they have a little thing you clip on your headphones. And as you turn your head, the mix adjusts so the virtual speakers stay there. Oh, wow. Wow, that's clever. So now now you're not, like you're even less locked into that headphone land. Yeah, I actually saw a pair of Bluetooth headphones at NAM that had that head tracker thing built in. Right. And uh or yeah. I mean cuz cuz those are for all the stage stuff. I remember the first time I saw that tech was Klang from Germany that makes like you know you're you're playing you're you're the bass player and and you're playing on stage and the guitar player's over to the right and then you turn around and look at the drummer and in their system now the guitar player goes to your left ear. Because you just turned around 180, right? But in the wow. old systems, like all of a sudden your guitar player is like not where he is, right? Um, when you turn around, so yeah. that was that system. That was pretty cool. You just walk around and everyone stays where they're supposed to be. In well, your perspective. So who who in the voiceover world or who needs a monitor controller? Like obviously, like <laughs> bring I have, it back I down to reality. <laughs> well, yeah, I have a Rode Roadcaster Pro, right? So I have a pair of headphone. Or four headphone amps, which is for podcasting, obviously. And then I have a headphone, I'm sorry, a monitor out with its own volume control. And what's nice about the way this thing functions is it has a built-in monitor muting circuit. So when I pod up or unmute one of any of the four mics, the monitor speakers mute themselves. How very radio of it. It's very, very broadcasty, right? But that is really cool in a home studio when you have your mic and your speaker is in the same room. It's, it's great for a voice talent. A voice talent yeah. is is that kind of thing. I mean, that's the way a lot of I, you, you see a lot of voice talent set up their studios. And the one that comes to mind is Joe Cipriano. He set it up like a radio station, and he just sits at his desk and he's got speakers. And then when you put the mic up, the speakers go down. and You're expected to be on headphones essentially. Right. And I you like know. that. I like that because I am. But I'm I'm in an all-in-one control room area now. For you, uh, Andrew. Um, yeah, you do have to be a little bit more cautious, right? You have to make sure you cut your monitors before you pot up your mic, right? Well, I'm in a booth, so it doesn't. No, really no, he's got a separate me, booth. Oh, yeah, right. So he doesn't have a feedback issue. Yeah. What, what what happens with Andrew's setup is that he doesn't have a talkback 
from, I don't know, it's always like, you, or, or you do have a talk back. You don't have well, a talk well, back. Andrew. Because you don't have a slate, you don't have a talk back to the connection. You have a talk right. back to your booth, but not to whatever you're connected with. Or uh, Andrew, do you have a scenario where you ever have a second person there? Like you're in the booth and someone else is outside? Uh, very rarely. It, the, the only person really is my daughter when she comes into work. And, uh, and I've had a couple of people who have been down here who are you know, staying here on holiday and get a call to do an urgent gig and they need somewhere to record, so they come down here. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, no, not really. So it's really that was, rare that you have any need for anything like a talkback function in your case. Well, I, I conclude differently because I've, you know, it's like often when he's in his control room and you want to uh -huh. talk to him, it's the mic in his booth that's the one that's working and then you hear him distantly through the control room because the talkback switch on that Mackie doesn't have a slate output that he can patch back into his RME and then therefore off to all the connections he's making. Yeah. So it's really, it's really built for a local talkback within... Um, and I think that I think that the Apollo has the same thing. Like the new Apollos have a talkback built into them, and I don't think that can go anywhere but a headphone output. So you can't really use it without patching it back into itself. Gotcha. Um, well, maybe for Andrew, because he's fallen in love with this SPL two control, if he wants to get back that kind of push to talk monitor control, he could patch in the radial. Studio Q, Desktop Q, and Talkback controller. And so what that does is now you have a proper Talkback mic built into the unit or an external mic you can plug in. And it's got a really good high quality feeling contact switch, you know, on and off button. It's got yeah, it's a, a little bit small because it's like the radial size. It's like a little bit of a DI box. It looks like a stomp box. It looks yeah, like so a stomp box. Yeah, so it's a little bit small, but yeah. But... It's a one-trick thing. So you, would, you could basically insert this into your monitor chain. So your SPL would go out. It would go through this unit, then out to the speakers. So when you punch the talkback, it dims the speakers. And, so you would, and then you can also feed that talkback out to your, uh, your system. So The SPL has a slate output, right? The SPL doesn't, but the radial oh, no, sorry, the, the radial has a, has a slate output. Yeah. Yeah, or or if you want, you can just get a, a mic that has a push to talk, like you know, like the calling all cars mic is a classic one, just the big button XLR into your uh, other input that you're not using half yeah. the time, and push to talk, and you're yeah. done. Yeah. Well, what I what I do have is a mic set up out there with a preamp, and it's just one of the inputs into the computer. So right, right. So what you need to do is get a switch on that thing. Yeah, a physical That's switch all. you can. Yeah. Bash with and, your and, hand and there's like the mic foot. mute. There's there, there's one that's nice because actually it's good to have in your booth because you can reverse it. I think it's called like mic mute or Whirlwind makes one. I think that does that. Yeah, I've, I've used some Whirlwind products for that stuff. They make the PPD and a few other. Yeah, uh, Rolls makes switches. ones for, for like fifty bucks. The Rolls does. Yeah, the Rolls like pro switchable microphone talk yeah. mute and the nice ones you can reverse so that you can turn them into a like when you're in the booth you can turn it, it can into be latching a, on a cough. yeah it can be latching on or latching off off right or you, or you, I mean, you can change right. the way it behaves yeah proco right. proco makes right. a bunch of these um now we're really going down the weeds okay but let's talk about talkback there's several companies that make these talkback switches and i've been putting them in voiceover booths to be mute buttons, so the actor has a very easy device to cut the mic. 
And the problem is a lot of them don't really cut the mic. They mute the mic by like 40 dB or dim the mic, I should say. So <laughs> you still hear I have rigged these things up for people like um, Ill Atner. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, he's like, oh, George, they can still hear me. They can still hear me in the studio. <laughs> so he's punched the mute button, you know, thinking his mic's dead right now. And then he lets it rip. I don't know, you know, whatever's going on in his room. And then on ISDN, you know, they're like, yeah, Bill, we could hear that, yeah. man. Um, <laughs> I had the email version of that one time where we were like dealing with a company and then they didn't get the answer they wanted on email. And it was like a group email on their, their side. So someone like replies all and there is us. <laughs> and they're basically like, well, screw them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, you just told everyone that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We've all done that. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of hardwired remote, hardwired mute switches yeah. that when you flick a switch, the mic is disconnected because you, there's a lot of software ways to do it. You know, you can do it in your DAW, do you know, depending do you on you know who makes some really interesting products um, is uh, Angry Audio, I think. Yeah, they make a whole bunch of little problem solvers. And a lot of theirs are really nice because... They're made to stick into a desk. So mm. you look at these radio stations, they have these buttons yeah. that are just there. That's nice. Um, yeah. Balancing, let's see, Bluetooth gadget. People do need to be careful because, you know, I've seen a lot of cases where people don't realize that when they hit mute in their, um, let's say they have an Apollo, for example, they don't necessarily know that when you hit mute on the channel and it mutes the audio in their headphones, that it's not muting the audio being sent out to Source Connect. Source Connect, right. It's still the input. Yes, and that can be embarrassing. So um, having <laughs> a real physical switch where the mic is physically cut off and you hear it cut off in your headphones is kind of assuring. You know, it's just, you sure. really know it's off, you know. Yeah, you, kind of handy. Yeah, so back to the monitor controller thing. I, I set up a lot of those big knobs over the years for people and the problem I found with them is it's just dust would eventually settle into the switches and yeah, the switches all got sticky or scratchy. And um, That's what happened to mine. A couple of switch, switches stopped working. The talkback was stopped working. And yeah. Yeah, it was just, it, it, you know, it had done its job I'd yeah. say for probably 10 years, I guess. Right, right, right. And the, but, and the, um, so you know yeah. we make a plug-in for this. What, for the talkback? We, we make a volume control plug-in and the talkback switch. In Pro Tools. Oh yeah. So the talk, yeah, yeah and yeah. then the and then the Pro Tools one can be controlled from an iPhone along with the uh, volume controller. That's sort pretty of slick. different. That's like I like that. But um, yeah. and then and then the uh, I do like the Personas. I have actually installed several of the Personas monitor. What's it called? Monitor station. Yeah, monitor yeah. station V two. It, yeah. it is. It is good. I, I like it. I I've never had one fail. Like one big plus is I've never had one fail. The switches are soft switches, meaning that the contact in the switch is not in the audio circuit. So it's literally switching a you know some kind of a chip. But but the volume knob is also is is continuous. I think with the personas you don't really have the the brain approach, as you do have like the audio plugs right into that box, and then you have a remote controller. I think. Oh, you're thinking of the central a, station. But this personas you're talking about brings the connectors right to the box, and there's an analog knob. Yeah, this is for this is clearly right. their big knob killer. Same price, yeah. desktop, everything plugs into the back of it. 
It's, and it's, so the one that's really, what, what's yeah. the price point of that? Like 400, yeah, 500 300, bucks? 300 bucks. 300. Yeah. It's, okay. it's not as high fidelity. And this is when you're paying for something like the SPL2 control. And a lot of the other things of that price range. Well, and the higher. dangerous is the the, the dangerous, dangerous is the big popular Grace. one. Yeah, Grace makes a killer monitor controller. I mean, it right. does twenty four channels for Atmos. You know, when you sure. get into that There's... price range, the money goes to the switches and the pots. Um, they're incredibly, incredibly accurate pots. So, like when you turn the knob one dB, both speakers or all twenty four speakers turns up and down exactly one dB. And that right. doesn't sound like a well, big deal, that's, but it is. That's, that's, that's what I was going to say, is I think the Heritage sits really well in this price zone. So you look at the Dangerous, which is the most popular one, especially in music circles, and it's a relayed switched volume thing. You can hear it go. And then there's the Heritage, which does the same thing. It's all one box, but within it, it's all switches. And in fact, you know, when you turn it all the way down, it mutes. It has like just a mute stop at the end where the lights up mute. But it's got a whole bunch of other really kick-ass features. It's got like multiple talkbacks that can go to more than one place. I think a couple cues, a Bluetooth option. The thing's like pretty cool, and it's like the same price, right? Except um, in Australia. It's, it's except a, in Australia. It's the same price as the SPL, it's, except in Australia, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the heritage in Australia is about six hundred dollars dearer than the um, than the SPL. Wow. That's, right. For that's here, exciting. here it's like eight hundred bucks. The Heritage, I think, is is a pretty kick-ass box. Um, I think it actually does lack a slate output. I might be wrong about that, but I think it does. Yeah. Uh, but still, it has a lot in it. Multiple speakers, like three speaker sets. I think actually, I think the SPL and the Heritage, the Ram two thousand, are the same price in America. I think they're both eight ninety nine. Yeah. So that that Heritage is pr- a pretty good because it's all relayed contacts. Like you can hear it. Rolling through them, yeah. And you know the other good thing about the Heritage, what's that? Having uh, some Neve gear here, they use the same switches, which would have been kind of cool. All the knobs. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've 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 actually got one in my studio. It's it's parked in there from from somebody else. But the annoying thing is having all that stuff plugged right into it. You can't really move it around, and so it's nice to have just the little umbilical cord ones, or you know, like source. VC will do that with an iPhone, and actually, it does however many channels you want it to do as well because it's just a plug-in. I see. Um, I've never even seen the Heritage Audio. I've never even heard of the brand, and I just did a little search for it and found. Oh, Heritage it. makes wonderful preamps. Oh yeah, I never. It's a nice yeah. little box. It looks like a take, you know, kind of the form factor of the of the Personas and the big knob, and just you the know, probably much, using much more yeah. expensive switches and pots and. You know the really audiophile, audiophilic devices, which the SPL I'm sure falls into the category. You know they're they probably have no amplifiers in the monitor circuit, so that the signal is completely it's completely passive. What you want when you want a really accurate monitor controller that's clean is you don't want there to be any amplifier in the monitor circuit. So it just passes through a really high quality rotating. The, the, switch. the highest quality ones are switched. And passive, so they're like, you know, like it's like chunk, 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 chunk. Those are the most high quality ones. It's it's funny. SC Electronics makes a number of M patch. Like if you just want like a volume knob on an XLR cable, they make the M patch. Yeah, the M patch. They make a couple good. different M patches. The only M patch I really never liked at all is I I got the five one version, and honestly, the thing fell apart. Like the big switch, like chunk, 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 
one of them you had no center channel, and the other one you had no rear channel, and you like switch back. It's like it's like really, and it was one of those things that it had no zero. You couldn't turn it all the way down. Okay, was, here's a story. Yeah. Have you ever heard of somebody needing a volume control attached to their headphones so they can manually control their headphone level while they are voice acting? The same way maybe a DJ would crossfade a crossfader on a mixer. Have you ever seen this happen? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not naming any names, not calling anybody out, but I have a very prominent voice actor client of mine who over the years of doing radio developed this bizarre habit of throttling his headphone level up and down while recording. And I figured it out. What he was doing was... It was, it was as though he had his own compressor in his headphones. So when he'd start speaking... Turning it up his, at the end of the lines? Yes, exactly. So his levels would crank way up at the end of a phrase so he could hear every little mouth sound and detail. And as soon as he would speak again, he'd pot it back down so he wasn't overdriving his headphones. And he would do this wow. like a musician. You know, <laughs> I would watch him do this. Well, he would wear out it's, it's, volume it's like, pots. It's like reverse, it's reverse mic technique. It's like headphone technique. Yeah. And he would wear out <laughs> headphone pots left and right. And I was like, try, I was trying to find the next switch. Yeah. You should get a volume foot switch, for, like a pedal, like a guitar player. You know what? I did that for somebody and they ended up wearing out the pot. But um, Because <laughs> guitar players don't really play the volume pot a thousand times a song or a session. Yeah, you, you need- know. So you need the one from like a Hammond organ or something. Exactly. Well, I will. I have it in my hands right here. I have a Palmer brand, Monocon. And Palmer is a German company. They're not made in Germany. This one's made in China. But it's a very, very stripped down basic monitor controller. On the front of the unit has a knob, a mono, and a mute. So this is as basic as it gets, right? Um, no power supply, no nothing. But he's had this thing on his desk um, for, oh, I don't know. I think we went through one. I think he wore out one in about a year, maybe a year and a half. Whereas the other ones we wore out in like two months. So it's got a pretty good pot in it. <laughs> it's held up to a lot of abuse. Um, so if anybody's <laughs> running into that bizarre situation or they just want a really simple but very accurate passive monitor controller, I can speak... I can speak up for the Palmer PMC1 monitor controller, which is on Amazon and stuff like that. I think it's about 100 US. Why doesn't he just get a compressor? Well, you know what? <laughs> That's probably the next thing I'm going to do because he has an Apollo. Just put a and, compressor in his monitor chain. Yeah, what I could do is, well, you know, this is, oh man, the tales I could tell. So I have another client <laughs> who has become so addicted to his manly. Voxbox plug-in and preamp that he wants to hear that three to one compressor in his headphones, right? He's mm-hmm. absolutely addicted He's to it. He's hooked to it. So I had to set him up an Apollo with that plug-in in the monitor chain, but not in the record chain. Okay. So, but he still wanted to use that preamp. So we have a yep. uh, a Vox box, one, with no one in the, pre- yeah, right. and then one with, and then we have it. another one yeah. that's acting as, as as his leveler for his headphones, and then in his Logic session, I have another channel strip set up with the preamp with the with the settings that he wants, and then another channel which is the settings that his studio wants. So we have all bases covered. <laughs> I, I see this sometimes. These like voice talent that have like 
a Pro Tools session with like 10 different treatments of like quiet read, strong read, like announcer, like clean. And, and usually like, I don't know, they get like lost in them often, but I just always look at that going like, why? I know you guys hate that. And this is yeah. a conversation oh. we've had before. And I have this going on with clients all the time. And I'm like, they don't want it processed. They don't want I it. totally understand like wanting to hear certain things in your head. If you want a compressor to monitor with, like singers love that. Yeah, but, reverb for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to do your voiceovers with reverb? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it might make you sound more important. Now I feel really good. I can give an amazing performance. <laughs> That would be hilarious. Oh, my God. That is really strange. But um, odd. The only, only thing I've ever done in the past um, was use headphone volume to uh, control my read. You know, if I want to keep it really, really quiet, then I used to crank the headphones up. Yeah. It used to hurt. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's a but, feedback um, circuit. You know, if you run yeah. hot cans, you're going to speak softly because you don't want yeah. to blow your own ears out. And, you know, that's an interesting way to... I had a friend who was a music producer who would, I I swear to God, he was like, if you keep it low, they'll sing sharper. If you put them a lot back in their headphones, they'll sing more flat or something. He would actually kind of, I I don't know how that worked exactly, but I remember him talking about it. That's fascinating. That's, I mean, you know, that's why some engineers are amazing at tracking vocalists and getting amazing performances because they know like bizarre tricks like that, you know, and they know how to work that. That's really cool. Very interesting. Well, have we bored everybody enough about monitor controls? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like how so. much how much you make out of a volume knob with a button that opens up a volume knob and a mute switch and some combination of those. There are a lot of them, man. There are a lot of combinations of volume knobs and mute switches. Yeah. Well, there's a by the way, there is if you want that SPL but want to don't don't want to spend quite as much, but you want that incredibly good quality volume knob. They make one called the Volume 2. It's there very high quality pot with a mute button. And also, out of interest, um, the ohms in the uh, output for the uh, headphones, I'm just looking, it says 75 ohms. Really? Okay. So I don't know, you know, you ohms and impedances, those are things I got to do a little research on. I know they're related, but a 75 ohm well, output... Ohms, ohms a, is impedance. Like, ohms and impedance are the same thing. They're related. They're related. They're not exactly the same because there's something else in terms of... Well, impedance changes with um, frequency. Yes, that's Whereas what I was, ohm, that's what I was that, that's, that's the thing about it, and that's why you get those weird, like, this is radio sounding or something. Right. Like, it's all thinned out. Right. Yeah. Right. But, right, like, right. yeah, impedance is resistance over frequency, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, if somebody has a preamp and there's an impedance knob, I almost always tell them to turn it to the lowest setting. It tends to have the best overall sound and the best low end. It's supposed but. to change the. I mean, that's the whole thing that um, UA supposedly does with the Unison is to like get that feedback of the impedance of the preamp back yeah. in the microphone to make them work the same way. You know. Well, what I do so, know about Pro Audio Gear is you can spend as much on a single volume knob as you can on an entire production. Like you know, the Rodecaster Pro is roughly five to six hundred US. The SPL Volume Two, which is a single volume knob, is five hundred dollars US. <laughs> so you know, yeah. when it comes down to it, the really, really high quality professional tools are very expensive for what they do because they they do it. They're designed to last and work consistently well 
year after year after year after year. And whereas something else of lower quality, the pots are going to start getting scratchy. They're not going to be the same level on both ears. You, you, you turn the stuff. volume down and one speaker's like still there and the other one yeah. goes away fit faster, like, or different volumes, the stereo balance isn't the same. That's what you're yeah. paying for. But like another one we didn't mention is the C, Samson C, uh, Control C or C Control. Oh, Samson, yeah. Behringer, all those really, really yep. inexpensive ones. Yeah. Like everyone's got one. Coleman, like early on, made them and they make some really solid, nice stuff, I think. I don't recommend the Behringer one. They have the same kind of problems with the switches and being scratchy and, you know, having bad connections. And speaking of monitor controls as well, like the Mackie monitor, anything Mackie with those push button switches have problems. Like the, uh, one of the biggest problems for people with Mackie mixers is that issue. The eight buses. Yeah, yeah. The, the main mix butt switch and the all three, four switch. And those ones can get funky. So if you yeah. hear weird stuff in your headphones or your speakers, exercise your switches. A lot of it, it's because those are like those short throw switches. Instead of like like the old mixers like kerchunk and you really push the button right. down. Now it's like a little just tiny like. Yeah. It's barely making a contact. Yep. Cool. Monitor. Well, cool, there you go. Good luck editing that one. <laughs> <laughs> this show was mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging. Edit by Andrew Peters. Using Rode microphones and Source Connect Now. Tech support from George the Tech Whittem. And supported by Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com. The home of the Portabooth Pro. You look for trouble.